Thank you for joining us today for the Oakwood Baptist Church podcast. This episode was recorded at the Home Builder Sunday School class, which Pastor Jones teaches at Oakwood. The lessons are taken from the book, Made for Friendship, by Drew Hunter. John 15, we're going to start a new series today. And so I'm um, looking forward to this. This is just on Christian living. But you've heard me say this before, and I, I believe it sincerely to be true, that if you will study what the Bible says about friendship, you will have a stronger marriage. And so we're going to study just some principles and ideas and concepts about friendship over the next several weeks. Um, and so probably looking at maybe eight to ten weeks here. Um, but I want to read to you from John 15. And as you know, this is a good opportunity for me to start to say this as we start our series. In Sunday school, I do a lot more topical content. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with topical content. Uh, but I just, I just want you to understand, sometimes we'll use a verse and, and use it in the way really you shouldn't use it in preaching and just kind of a launching pad on a thought. Um, I want to be careful about that, but we do expositional preaching in the pulpit on a regular basis. But I do think in a Sunday school format, it's really helpful to take some of these topics, just kind of look at what the Bible says about them and try to make some real practical applications in our life. So look at what Jesus has said here in, in John chapter 15. He says, Henceforth, I call you not servants. Now, let's pause for just a moment there. Um, in the story of the parable of the prodigal son, remember, he, he says, I'm not even worthy to be one of my father's servants. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if, if I... Uh, did, did I tell you the wrong chapter or something? It's still like... No, verse 15. It's verse 15. Okay, chapter 15 and verse 15. Okay. I saw a lot of people turning and looking. I thought, I... And you know how preachers can do that, you know? They can... Tell you John 5 and they're in John 12 or something like that. So uh, John 15 verse 15 is what we're, we're looking at. But I, I was saying about the parable of the prodigal son. He said, you know, I'm not even worthy to be one of my father's hired servants. He said, I wonder if my dad would hire me. And he was content that that would be an act of grace, that his father would just employ him and give him a job. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is if, if, if we were just servants, of, of the Master, Jehovah, uh, wouldn't that be sufficient enough for Him to save us and just treat us as, as menial slaves? Our life would be better than it would out in the corn husks uh, of the world. There, there's no doubt. But I love what Jesus says here. He says, from now on, I, I'm not calling you servants. He says, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. He said, I have taught you these things, these principles, these concepts, these truths, these, these mysteries. And, and I'm telling you the why. Because I'm not treating you just like menial servants. You're not just my menial servants to do my bidding. You are my friends. You are my friends. Now, that, that's an amazing concept. And we're going to unpack that a, a, a little bit and talk about that in, in greater detail in lessons to come about why friendship is so important and, and, and even how God came to us in salvation to, to not just save us from our sin, but also reconcile us to himself and call that friendship. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So really this series of lessons comes from a book. I've told you this a lot of times. I, I teach from a book and try and, um, you know, spit out bones, add my own illustrations and, and concepts to it. But the book is called Made for Friendship by Drew Hunter. A friend of mine gave me the book. I got around to reading it and I was blessed by reading it. 
Um, so if you're a reader and you want to read it, I would encourage it. Um, the reason I do that a lot of times is I've known, I've, I've, look, I've been doing this long enough. I'd come in here and say, this is the best book on marriage I've ever read in my life. If you will read it, it will transform your life. In fact, it's so good, I've bought 25 copies. And I might put it up here, and uh, maybe 15 people will take the, the 25 copies. And of the 15 that take it, you know, three or four will read it. And then if I teach it, everybody's like, wow, that was really helpful. I know, I was telling you about it. But anyway, uh, that's just kind of how, how it goes, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to do that. But if we remove, fr- think about friendship for a minute. If we remove friendship from the world, half our joy just goes right out with it. I mean, think about life without friendship. It's, it's just devoid. Uh, friendship, somebody said, is the supreme pleasure of life, and no one can fully enjoy life without it. Now, I think we might be sitting here thinking, well, that, that seems a little much, don't you think? I mean, it, it kind of is maybe an overstatement. Because, uh, I, I mean, I have people say that. They're you know, like, I don't really need friends. You, you know, but the truth of the matter is, is I think we might think that those are overstatements because we are not esteeming friendship as we ought to. Uh, so really, that's the purpose of this series is to teach us to, one, value friendship more highly than we do, and then to enjoy the friendship that we have more fully than we do. Um, You know, I think when you study the subject, what it really ought to do is not necessarily as much say, well, I really want a friend. I think it should motivate us to say, I want to be that kind of friend. And that's, that's just kind of what our aim is here. Think about the Bible. And it's praise for friendship. The Bible is filled with stories of friendship. Um, I've written a couple down here, but uh, we don't always do this. But let's have just a little bit of group interaction here. Can somebody give me at least one example of of biblical stories of friendship? David and Jonathan. I think it is the classic example in the Bible, no doubt about it. And it's really unfortunate that some people have even tried to turn it in some perverse way because there's that verse that says that the love that they had for one another surpassed even that love of a woman and try to make that into some kind of perverse. No, they were really, really good friends. And it really talks about how their friendship was modeled. I mean, I've preached multiple messages at teen camps on that subject uh, with them as examples. It's just a, it's a great passage. Can somebody give me another example? Paul and Timothy. And you could say Paul and blank. I mean, Paul was with Silas. He was with Barnabas. He was with Timothy. He, he, Paul always seemed to have a sidekick. And I'm not talking about a, like a disposable sidekick, like he was just running through friends and moving to others. I mean, Paul really had these uh, friends in the trenches with him. I mean, there's, you, you could say, how about this one? You don't normally say it because it just doesn't roll off the tongue like Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy. But how about Paul and Luke? I mean, Luke was with him all the time and writing it. And, and it's like Luke was in the shadows just lifting him up all the time. But Paul absolutely seemed to have been a great friend. And he had great friends around him. How about uh, any others? Can you think of others? Ruth and Naomi. That's on my list. I mean, man, what a beautiful image of friendship. In fact, isn't it interesting that, that you're talking about a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law situation and they were such good friends which is interesting because we make so many jokes and we we've seen so many family problems involved in those kind of things but here it was kind of like they were so connected and so close 
that that's even used in marriages, isn't it? The verses like, you know, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Or your God is, is my God. And, and we've used that in marriage situations, but this was, you know, two ladies that were just really, really dear friends. Um, I, you guys are nailing my list. Um, I, I put, there, there's this one other one that I had on my list, and there, there are more. But anybody want to try and read my mind? It's not always easy, I know. Yeah, it was Jesus. Uh, Jesus, and I didn't just put Jesus and John, even though he would have been that one. Don't you love reading John and how he always said, I'm John the, I'm John the Beloved. And I, don't, I really don't get the impression that it was, I'm John the Beloved. No, I think it was, I'm John, the one Jesus loved. Can you believe that? He loved me. And John was so close to Jesus, but it wasn't just John. There was that group, that tight group of Peter, James, and John with Jesus. Uh, the, you know, and I know that they failed him in their friendship, and we all fail one another in our friendship, but, but, but man, Jesus had, even Jesus in his humanity had these friends. And I think it's interesting that he had large groups. Within that large group of disciples, he had 70, and in the 70 he had 12, and in the 12 he had three, and in the three he had one. I think that that's interesting that he did that. Um, and, and it's just, just awesome to see that. Uh, let's, let's turn our attention to another portion of Scripture. Hugh Black said this, and he said it in reference to the book of Proverbs specifically. He said, there is no book, so he's talking about Proverbs, there's no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. I would challenge you sometime, you know, 31 chapters in Proverbs, I'd challenge you to pay attention to how many verses and how many Proverbs apply to the concept of friendship. It's, it's very interesting. See, we, we were, again, I'm, I, we'll get more into this in future lessons, but we were not just made for friendship with one another. We were literally made for friendship with God. I mean, that's, that's again, when Adam partake, partook of the fruit, God said, you're going to die in that day. Well, what died that day? His friendship with God, his connection with God, and that's what needed to be restored. So, again, think about this idea that we were made for friendship with God. We come back to our text, on the eve of his death, that's when these words were uttered. On the eve of Jesus' death, he wanted his disciples to know that the cross was not only a great demonstration of love to them, it is, and how many songs do we sing about how he loved me and he died for me, but the truth of the matter is, is Jesus points out on the eve of his death, it was not just a demonstration of his love, it was a demonstration of his friendship. I mean, we, we, didn't, we didn't read the whole passage, but you know the verse, just two verses prior, it says, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his, help me, friends, right? And then that's when he goes on here, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And he says, You're, I'm not calling you servants, I'm calling you friends. And, and, he, and he teaches this concept and he's basically telling them, listen, it, it, look, yes, I love you. The cross is an act of obedience on his part to God. It's an act of love toward us to reclaim sinners but he's also showing that it's a demonstration of, of friendship. It was a cosmic act of friendship towards us. Now, I think all of us at some point in our life, of course, have enjoyed friendship. Um, but, and we've experienced friendship. But sometimes we've just like let it happen. And I know sometimes in some ways that's what does happen. But 
I'm trying to cause us to pause for a moment and to think maybe a little bit more intentionally about our friendships. Let's think directly about it. Because it is true that, that I have, and I would imagine you have, we, we've, in some case, we've, we've trivialized friendship. Um, so, like, like for, for example, uh, you know, this is a married class, and so, you know, ho- hopefully you've got a good friendship with your spouse and, and on that level. But, but in the dating world, you know, sometimes it's like, well, we're just friends. You know, and I don't know if you've ever been hit with that. Like, well, I don't see you really as a boyfriend or girlfriend. I see you just as a friend, right? You know, you've gotten that speech before. But, but the truth of the matter is, like, like I'm asking the question this morning, why, why just friends? You know, it's almost like you're saying, like, ah, you're just a friend. Do you know, like, it's, a, it's, it's almost trivializing the concept of friendship. In fact, we've done that, we've done that in other ways, too, right? Uh, like, think of it, I, I, was, I was actually listening to a podcast this morning on the way to church, and it was by an author who wrote about the Battle of the Bulge, and he was talking about that, and he was making reference. I know that I'm sure it's not all clean or whatnot, but Stephen Ambrose wrote a book, and then HBO made a series of shows on Band of Brothers. And so there's this idea of, of the brotherhood. You hear it in sports, you know, the brotherhood, as if, like, being a brother is greater than being a friend. But really the Bible says opposite in some ways, doesn't it? It says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So the idea there is there are some friends in your life that are actually closer to you and, and, and greater influence to you than your very own blood relatives. But yet we say the brotherhood and a band of brothers. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't say band of besties. You know, that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? You know, it sounds kind of, kind of weak, you know, it's a band of brothers. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, what are we doing? We're kind of trivializing friendship in some ways. So uh, here's kind of a test for you. What comes into your mind when you think about friendship with Jesus? You know, I've been kind of referencing that. But what comes into your mind when you think about friendship with Jesus? I think sometimes the thought of friendship with God rings hollow because we've hollowed out the idea of friendship in general. All right? So let's think about it this way. Uh, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. Friendship, and I'm talking about like, you understand what I'm talking about in this? Like we lo- looked at Jesus. He had people that he was really close to, and it wasn't a lot of people. Um, so, so we're trying to narrow our concept of friendship just a little bit. So I want friendship to, I want you to view it, what we're really talking about here is like a submarine that goes deep. You know, think about a submarine. Um, it, it holds a few and it goes very deep. But I think most of us view um, friendship like a cruise ship. You know, there's a lot of people on there we don't know. And we're around them. And, uh, you, you know, that, that we're trying to change our mind a little bit on, the, on the, what we're talking about here today as far as friendship and that concept. See, for, for many of us, friend has just become a, a title for a nice person who's not my sworn enemy. You know what I'm saying? Like... Like, you know, they even call that on Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook, and I'm not shaming you if you are, but, you know, I have, you know, I always kind of joke with people, you know, I have, I have 857 friends. No, no, I, I think you have 857 people that are kind of spying on your life. <laughs> you know, they're electronic voyeurs, you know, that's kind of what they are. Um, and, and I, again, I'm not poo-pooing the whole idea, like, I know it's a good way to connect with family and let people know what you're doing and stuff like that, but let's not think that that's, that's like a cruise ship to me. 
There's a lot of people around there just kind of looking at each other, but that's not going deep with anything, right? Um, so, so don't think in terms of just a friend as a nice person who's kind to me and is not my sworn enemy. Because think about this, when friend means everyone, then it ends up meaning nothing. Um, there was a study, according to this book, uh, that showed in 1985, the average American had about three friends. And these are defined as people with whom we can confide in, people with whom we share the most important things in life. The average American said that they had three of those. But by 2004, the average American only had two close friends. And interestingly, one in four Americans said they had no one like this. And this isn't just an American problem. Did you know in the, in the United Kingdom, they have an appointed, this is, this is the title, Minister of Loneliness. And the, the job of this government minister is to address the growing problem of social isolation. Isolation. Um, so, so again, this is a this is a human problem. It's a problem that we that we face. So, what happens, especially with the advent of social media and, and the internet? And again, I'm I, I don't want to come across as I'm just on that kind of stuff. But but I'm just saying, we have to recognize that there are some negative things that have come from that. And I, I think to say otherwise is to be naive. And so let's address it. Let's talk about it. Again, I'm not just trying to rail on it, but I'm just saying I think what has happened is we are connected to so many that we end up not really being connected to anyone. And we're struggling in this area. Why are we in our humanity struggling in this area? I think I'll give you the answer. I think because of sin, because here's what sin is. Sin tends to be very antisocial. What did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? They, they, they ran away and they hid, right? They just, they wanted to get, get away from everything. And sin has a tendency to, to cause us to be very antisocial. It curves us inward. It drives us to isolation. And then what happens is you add our very hyper-individualistic culture and has made things worse. It really has. So I'm not trying to be overly negative here today, but I, I, I want to give three aspects of our culture that are creating some barriers to our friendships. All right, number one, busyness. Busyness. It is well known that we are all very, very busy. That's one of the most common answers I get. Hey, how are you doing? Busy. I get that all the time. You, we, I don't know. It, look, if you, a lot of times you can ask a 16-year-old, how are you doing? Busy. Like, what, what you been up to? Playing Fortnite. You know, like, like you know, it's like, come on, really. We, we would all label ourselves as busy. And, and Americans, we, we are. We, 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 we run a little too fast. There's, there's no question. Um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm starting to really give some, some thought about the book list of uh, books that I'm going to buy for our couples retreat. If you haven't been before, I, I like to buy a bunch of books and fill a table up and then just they're free to you. Uh, you can take a, uh, one of the books I think I'm going to buy this year is called Crazy Busy. I read it years ago. Um, it's not a very long uh, book, um, but, but it's, it's a very helpful book because we're just, we're so busy. But here's the thing. I think sometimes even the perception of busyness becomes a hindrance to our relationships. We know that busyness in and of itself can be a hindrance because you're just so busy that you don't take time for people. 
And you're just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And I know I, I live as fast and as busy as, as many or most. And, and, and sometimes it's not good. It, it's not. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to slow down the train sometimes. But, but again, I think sometimes the perception of busyness can be an ascent, a hindrance because a lot of times we don't ask people to connect. We don't ask people to get together because we assume that they are too busy. And you understand sometimes our assumptions can be incorrect. And sometimes because of our assumptions, we end up not doing things that would be helpful to us. Okay? So, so again, just plain out busyness can be a, a tremendous uh, barrier to, to deep relationships. All right? Number two, and I've alluded to it, and again, I don't want to come across as an angry curmudgeon. Uh, so I hope that that's not the case, but let's talk about technology. I think technology can be a real barrier to deep relationships. So much about technology complements companionship. It really does. I mean, like the, the idea of social media, friends, likes, you know, stay, stay connected, all of these kind of things. That It complements companionship, but listen to me, it cannot replace it. And that's what, look, we're talking about like AI is such a big deal, right? And, you know, there's so many things that are going on. You don't even know what's real anymore. And, and I think sometimes you could, you could say this, are, are, are some of my relationships real? You, you know, because you feel so connected to somebody. You know so much about them, but you don't know them. And, and, and I, I think that that's a hindrance sometimes. And here's, here's why it ends up hindering friendship. I got four ways. It depersonalizes communication. Like we use it to connect, but over time we feel, we feel um, less connected. Now, I'll be honest with you, again, uh, for full disclosure, not, not trying to feel or be a curmudgeon, but I, I don't have any social media. Now, I used to have a Twitter account or an X account, whatever, and I, I had that for several years, and I, I try to be really careful to just post inspirational quotes or different things like that on it. Uh, but I just, I just deleted it all. I felt like it was, I felt like it was bringing more negative in my life than it ever brought positive. That, that's how I felt. And I deleted it uh, completely maybe about nine months ago. And to be honest with you, I have not been sorry. I, I, I felt like it was wasting my time. And the Bible says redeeming the time for the days are evil. I, I felt like it, it, it could cause moments of anxiety, moments of anger. Um, I think it, it had a greater potential for inappropriate things. I just, I just, I, 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 I could think of 10 negatives for every positive. And uh, that's just where I'm at. Now, I'm, I'm not getting on to you. I'm just simply saying, I think what happens again is we use it to connect. And that's kind of our justification of it. But we end up feeling more disconnected the longer it goes. Um, Again, we try to stay on top of it in our home. We really do. But last night, we, we, we all spent some time together. And there, I mean, there was one time, and I guess it's not that big of a deal, but there was one time, I mean, we were all together, and I looked over, and one of my, one of my kids that's not in this room, by the way, um, was like, we're all together, and they're over there. And they're taking pictures and posting it and doing this. And I'm like, I mean, again, we're here. Like all the people you're telling about, they're not here. We're here, <laughs> you know? 
And, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but we've all been in a restaurant before and seen a family having an expensive meal together, sitting around a table, and they're, it's, it depersonalizes what's going on. And I'm dipping into other things. It, it, here's another thought. It disengages us from real communion. Sometimes when we connect with people through technology, we disconnect from those who are sitting right in front of us. Um, how about this? It disembodies conversation. So, you know, we text, we email, we, 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 we post. But listen, what about, what about hearing somebody's laugh? Like, I want you to think about somebody you love. Somebody you know really well. Can you identify their laugh? And not just the sound of it. Like, like the way they move their head, the way they quirk their mouth, the way they, 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 their belly rolls, or what, whatever it is. Like, like, there's some, I mean, seriously, like, you guys are all grinning and smiling right now. Why? That's the personal connection. That's what I'm talking about. Um, like, like it, it disembodies, again, conversation to talk through a personal challenge. What about to see romance in somebody's eyes? How about to see the sincerity? Like, I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm talking about hearing it, seeing the sincerity from somebody. Again, the, the, the technology disembodies that. Again, I'm not down on texting. I'm not down on those communication techniques and stuff like that. But I'm just simply saying there is and never will be a digital equivalent of human con- from, from human connection. It would never change, ever. All right, how about this? It creates a dependence on less personal ways of addressing personal issues. Listen, you know it's true. We have a school here. I deal with it all the time. There are some students that they, they, don't, they don't know how to look at somebody and talk to them. They don't. We're, we're losing this. And we have to be careful about that, okay? Uh, number three, here, here's, here's another uh, challenge. Number three, and that's, that's mobility. Friendship requires a lot of time together. It requires a lot of time together. And, um, you know, we live in a much, much more mobile society. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not wagging fingers. We have a lot of transplants in our church, a lot of transplants in our growing community. I know that. I'm one of them. I grew up in Ohio. I'm here now in South Carolina. I'm looking at California Connection. I'm, you know, there, there are people from New Jersey, Illinois. I mean, there's people from all over the place that are here. And I don't begrudge that. I'm grateful for how God in His providence brings us all together. But I'm saying we have to recognize how it does affect our relationships because relationships take time. I remember when I was the pastor here uh, for only about a year, I remember there was somebody and they came to my office and they were just like, I just don't feel very connected to you. Like, I don't feel like you're my pastor. And I was like, I've, I've been here for, I don't even think it's been a year yet. You, you know what brings a lot of that connection is when we go through a hard time together. When we go through something joyous together. This time, getting to know each other, making connection. And it, and it takes time. And think about it. I mean, we live in a society where education takes us to another town. Work transfers families to another state. Retirement draws seniors to sunnier skies and things like that. But again, we're talking about our theme this year is rooted. Friendship takes time because root systems don't grow super fast. 
it, it takes time and effort. So I understand that there are other barriers to deep relationships. We could have maybe included um, our ways of thinking. You know, sometimes cognitive biases create troubles for us, and maybe that's something we can unpack later. Uh, let's be honest. I think here's some barriers to deep relationships, our own personal quirks. Like I was just talking to Robert Easterling before we started here, and I was telling him, uh, you know, we were talking about a weirdness in, 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 in each one of us. And I said, you know, all of us have a measure of, of quirkiness and weirdness. And it's when you're weird and you don't know it that's a problem. So if you're sitting there going, I'm not weird. You, you got, and see, let's just be honest. There's some people, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm really not. I hope, hope I can, you can take this the way it's intended. Some people are really weird. And they have, they, they, they have a higher dose of weirdness than others. And it, and it affects their ability to connect with other people. Okay? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying our own quirks, our own quirks can be a hindrance sometimes to our relationships. We have to recognize that. Everybody okay? I hope I don't, so I'm never going back there. I'm just, I'm just trying to help, you know? And, and, and man, the shoe fits here. You know, there's some people, you know, like, hey, that guy, what's his deal? Yeah, like, I got, a, I got a dose of weirdness. We all have a weird gene. All right? And so I guess we just need to ask, what, what is hindering your friendships? Is it busyness? Kids. <laughs> kids, eh? kids can do that too. But, you, but look, I'll close on that. He, he said, Jeremy said, kids are hindering my friendships. But, but, but hold on, let me, let me answer that for just a second. This is a good note to end on. I can't speak for you, but several years ago now, it's been many years ago, I decided what am I trying to accomplish in raising my kids? And I personally set out three goals. These are my goals. Yours can be different, but these are my goals. I wanted my kids to be, be strong in character. I wanted to teach them to be diligent, honest, et cetera, just, just character. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. And if somebody say, well, I know some of your kids and they did this. Well, they're not perfect, but I am trying for that. Two, I want them to have a heart for God. Because you can have good character and not have a heart for God. And I really want them to have a passion, a passion for Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, this is where I'm going. I wanted to be friends with them when they're adults. And I was trying to be intentional about that. And, you know, it takes time to develop it. And someday... The little rugrats are, are going to be married adults, and when that happens, I want to be their friend. And I want to be able to say, we are friends at this stage in our life. Now again, I'll close on this. You have to be their parent today if you want to be their friend at that time. If you're trying to be their friend today, I'm sorry to tell you, you'll end up being their parent at that time. And I don't want to pay their bills and clean up their problems and raise their kids, and do all that. I don't want to do that. I want to be their friend at that point. So that's why I was a parent when they were younger. And, and again, I'll, that's another lesson for another day.